Hello and welcome to the I Do Consent podcast with me, your host, Jen Wilson, also known as Irregular Jen. Season 2 is here with the Consent Compass launching on the International Day of Consent, 30th of November, 2023, continuing this work to platform consent as a practice and a tool for making positive changes from the personal to the global. Thanks for listening in. Hi, and welcome to this recording of I Do Consent podcast, recorded in November 2021. And my guest on this episode is my partner in crime, Kitty Stryker. Um, Kitty has been working on defining and creating consent culture for over 10 years through her writing, workshops, and the website consentculture.com. She's the editor of the book Ask Building Consent Culture, and she's especially interested in bringing conversations about consent out of the bedroom and into everyday life. Additionally, Kitty is a sex worker and academic of the history of obscenity, censorship and queer culture. Welcome, Kitty. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) It's great to have you here Um, and to be working with you again on the International Day of Consent, having done our great festival last year and plans towards next year. It's it's a real privilege to um, to be working with you. Um, what I thought would be good for this sort of as this is one of the first episodes of the podcast is to hear from you. And I might chuck mine in as well, but hear from you what your definition is of consent culture when when you're talking about consent culture what do you mean well i think consent culture is a living document is what i call it it's something that is inherently difficult to define um i mean simply put i suppose consent culture is a culture that centers consent instead of coercion or entitlement or capitalism or white supremacy or transphobia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's a culture that puts consensual interactions at the forefront. Um, But what does that actually look like? I mean, that's a constantly evolving thing. Um, and I like to say that I don't consider myself an expert because I'm constantly learning. And I think that that's really the best way to to look at consent culture is something you're constantly learning. Yeah, I totally get that. I um, people people sometimes refer to me as an expert and it makes me really uncomfortable. I see consent as a practice, really. You know, people, you know, like the dictionary definition of consent is that it's about permission and agreement. And people tend to see it as this really simplistic yes means yes, no means no, black and white binary kind of a thing. But actually, Mm -hmm. when you think about the process of agreement, 
my, you know, that's a, actually a really complex, um, potentially really complex thing, the process of reaching a place of agreement with people. Yeah, and I mean, I guess what I, when people say like, oh, I'm a consent expert, it just makes me think that they're really good at manipulation. Um, I, I don't, I don't trust it. And I think that part of the reason I don't trust it is that you can't be an expert on other people. Mm. You can be an expert on yourself, perhaps, maybe. I, I'm not even sure how much I believe that, frankly. Uh, God knows I've evolved ex- extensively over the past 10 years. Um, but I do think that, yeah, there's this, um, mutuality in consent culture that's really important yeah yeah absolutely and um yeah for me and, and that's that's the kind of culture bit of it like you just mentioned now um consent culture is not capitalism is not white supremacy is not the patriarchy etc the systems that we all operate in and and actually it's really hard to imagine, I think, uh, what uh, what really it would be like to live in a consent culture, because the thoughts that exist in my head are formed from words and ideas and contexts that are absolutely wrapped up in hierarchies and privileges and people having power over other people. Um and so it's kind of really hard to hard to imagine this kind of beautiful nirvana <laughs> that an yeah. consent culture could be if we all lived in it. I'd, for me, I'd, it's like, um, yeah, it's like utopian almost. Yeah, it, it absolutely is utopian. And I mean, I think I mean, I, I'm an anarchist, so I know a lot about utopias that don't exist in real life. Um, in fact, I think consent culture and anarchy work really well together in a lot of ways because they're kind of addressing the same um, autonomy at the, at the core of it. Um, I think that, I mean, I'm a anarcho syndicalist. So a lot of that autonomy is also an awareness of others and encouraging them to have the maximum amount of autonomy. Um, God knows, you know, and you and I have talked about this before during a pandemic that is really sorely put to the test at times because I live in a space where I do believe that people should have personal autonomy and free will. And I also believe that stopping a pandemic means that everybody sucks it up and does certain things like wearing masks or staying home. Mm. Um, and, like, those two feelings don't coexist, really. Like, they're, they're completely opposite. And yet I hold both of them very strongly. <laughs> so I think that's why it's difficult for me to say that you could be an expert in consent, because I think that these are deeply philosophical and spiritual even concepts that it is impossible to have mastery over. Yeah. Yeah. The the yes. So I mean I'm absolutely with you in the you know, my concept of what a consent culture looks like 
insofar as I can articulate it, is it is a world that is, um, for want of a better word, socially just, you know, that is caring, that that um, everybody is looking after everybody else as well as themselves, rather than this this kind of, uh, like, I'm an anarchist too, and that, like a lot of people think of anarchy as being kind of selfish hedonism um no know, that's libertarianism exactly and that i have a real problem with that <laughs> stuff <laughs> sorry libertarian friends yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um that's a uh, interestingly that is a discussion i have a lot with my libertarian friends of mm-hmm. like you know especially my left-leaning libertarian friends believe that um Part of living without a government or having minimal government involvement would give more people the space to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I think that puts altogether too much faith in people and um, uh, having good intentions. Um, but perhaps I'm very pessimistic. I don't know. It's hard to say. All of these things, it's really hard to say what it looks like because it's so far from our reality that it is completely unthinkable. Mm. Um, I remember, um, and this has been something I've been thinking about for a long time. I remember when I was in university and I took a future studies class and we were asked if we would want to live in um, Huxley's Brave New World. And I said, well, absolutely. Yeah, I have no problem with that. And my teacher was just absolutely gobsmacked. He was like, but don't you care about free will? And I said, well, I wouldn't know what free will was. Mm. And that would be easier, (laughs) honestly. I would be less stressed out and upset because ignorance is bliss. Mm. Um, And I think that I struggle more knowing of the concept of free will and knowing that I don't have it, not really. Um, that is a much more difficult thing to deal with. Um, so I think a lot of my consent culture activism stems from that mm. stems from this idea of like, yeah, we don't really have informed consent. We don't fully have the ability to say no. And therefore, our yes is questionable. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm seeking to move towards that as much as possible, while also acknowledging that our society doesn't really make it possible. Yeah. Oh, God, this sounds really depressing. But I know it always <laughs> does. It always does. Honestly, whenever people are chatting with me or I do a workshop about consent culture, there is a period in the middle that's just like, yeah, we're up against a lot, and mm. this is hard work. But you know what? I felt like that when I started doing yoga, too, and physical therapy, and I had to be super aware of every muscle in my body, and it took so much concentration and effort to be aware of every single tendon but with enough practice, after a while, it became easier and easier. And just like with consent culture, I don't think you're ever 
fully going to be an expert, you're never going to have complete awareness of all muscles all the time. Mm. But you become better at recognizing what the issue is and being able to address it before it gets worse. And Mm. I think that is extremely hopeful. Because I think that what happens for a lot of people is that we don't know how to make things better. And so we just keep digging the hole and making things worse and then feeling like it's hopeless when it really isn't. I mean, I, I feel much more positive about my interactions with people because I'm aware of what my ouch spots are and I'm able to communicate them before they become a problem. Mm. Yeah, it's absolutely about digging in and doing that work. And it is uncomfortable um, and it is awkward and it is difficult to have those conversations. Um, It's really interesting when I'm actually doing sex education work with young people in Britain as well. We're really buttoned up in Britain. (laughs) Oh, Um, yes. In fact, people of all ages, I use I use a pizza metaphor for one of one of the exercises that I do the the. want will won't exercise it's like we we talk about what would you like on your pizza what do you really want on your pizza what won't you have on your pizza and you get into all these ridiculous innuendos about um well i well i will have pizza but i've never tried olives Mm. you know like (laughs) olives become like this kind of kinky suggestion (laughs) (laughs) but um um yeah so i'm I'm thinking that what might be good to sort of explore a bit is is what are what are those um what are those kind of key tools of the practice that you've kind of come up with I know you've got you've got the book and the book was invaluable to me um the book introduced to me for the first time the fries framework which mm-hmm. um I've talked about on another podcast um and, and I've adjusted the, the Fry's framework a little bit from Planned Parenthood's original model. But there's lots of great tools and examples in the book. Do you, do you want to say a little bit about how the book came about and, and where sure. it went and Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Thorn Tree Press asked me to put together and well, I pitched. They were kind of interested in a consent culture book and I pitched one that was going to be an anthology um, and my my idea, funnily enough, for a, for a consent culture book, um, part of the idea of how I wanted to format the book was a bit of a bait and switch. I wanted to be a white woman who was known for talking about consent on the cover. I got Lori Penny, who's an incredible journalist and a friend of mine, and Carol Queen, who is an esteemed sexologist and another friend of mine, um, also two white cis women, to uh, bookend the book. And then I filled everything else with marginalized people. Mm. And the reason why I wanted to do it that way was because in my experience reading about rape culture, uh, which is what all of the material was at the time, it was almost exclusively white cis women writing about rape culture. Mm. And I knew in my activism that there were a lot of voices that just were not getting heard and not getting a foot up in that conversation. And it left a lot of nuance and cultural experiences out 
So I figured if I make it seem like it's that norm, sort of in quotations, normal consent related book, then I would get second wave feminists to pick it up mm-hmm. and then through that be kind of tricked into reading consent conversations about racism in the workplace or um, trans women and puberty blockers when they were teens or workplace consent and consent to harm and what does that look like. Um, and it worked. In fact, it made a couple of second wave feminists um, read it and got very angry at me for doing that, which I think is very effective. I'm, I'm pleased about that. Um, and it meant that I could publish writers who had never published anything before. I Mm. took a huge amount of risks. I barely edited the people who wrote because I wanted it to be in their voices. Um, I didn't want it to be overly academic. I didn't want it to shy away from being academic. So we have a huge array of ways in which people talked about consent. Um, and, and that was incredibly purposeful. Um, I think it was harder for people to understand because they expected a level of consistency. Mm. And I might change that in the future, but I have to say, I really liked that some of the essays were incredibly 101 super basic, very accessible. And some of them were, you know, graduate courses in Mm. one aspect of consent culture. Mm. I think that that meant that you could revisit the book over and over again and learn more as your understanding of consent culture deepened. Um, So, yeah. um, and, And part of how I did that was I wrote all of the people I wanted to um to write for it and said, hey, this is my plan. I'm planning a bait and switch. I would love for you to be involved. Um, I wanted to let you know, like, I understand that it might be uncomfortable to submit to an anthology when you just have my word and I'm a white cis woman. I recognize that. Here's a bunch of other people that I'm asking who have said yes. Um, you are absolutely free to say no. You can pull out at any time. Um, I won't be upset, honestly, because I knew it's extremely easy for me to find white cis people who will happily whip out an essay of a thousand words in a week. So if somebody really needed to pull out a week before I sent in the draft, I would have been fine, you know? And so part of that, that was so interesting to me was the process of putting together the book was modeling the consent culture that I wanted to see. And it did mean a little bit more work for me. It meant that I did have a couple of writers drop out and I did have to fill their places somewhat last minute, Mm. but that was okay. And I was so excited that they felt comfortable saying this is more than I can do and didn't feel punished Mm. for advocating for themselves. Um, That was really, really important to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely the case. And it, 
I'm, I, I really relate to the um, putting it into practice, meaning it can be a bit more work sometimes. And it goes back to the thing you were saying about, you know, like yoga, you know, these, this practice is uh, new muscle memory for us to learn. But like, you know, so I try to parent consensually and it takes me a lot longer to negotiate stuff with my 10 year old than it does to go because I said so <laughs> absolutely yeah um uh and you know and, and she's home educated for the same reason which is also you know a lot um but those are things for another podcast I guess but <laughs> you know practicing consent in our everyday lives and we all you know I we I mess it up every day as well you know absolutely I think that's really important I think more people should talk about that because mm -hmm. I think that there's a fear of messing up that means that we end up being more committed to a non-consensual life. Mm. Because if we can say, oh, well, you know, we're all being pressured, so it's fine that I pressure people. Mm. It allows us to remove some of that accountability. Mm. The only person we truly have control over is ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people want to sidestep that. Um, which I understand. I mean, I'm a recovering addict. I completely get it. You know, like um, having accountability for everything you do is really hard and it kind of sucks sometimes. Yeah. But it's, it, it's, it's important. Yeah, it's so important. It's that thing of, I mean, consent is about everybody using all of their agency. And that's that's a wonderful freedom. And at the same time, a huge responsibility. It's a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, um, I think that some of the, I mean, I think part of the reason why I as an educator of consent culture is perhaps a little less media friendly sometimes is because I'm very open with how close this is to shadow work, mm. um, where you are doing some really deep, intense therapy mm. um, in order to really address some of these issues. Um, I think a lot of consent educators want to make it light and fluffy and catchy. Um, you know, it's all consent is sexy or, you know, uh, just ask or, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, that, that's cute and kitschy, but like, that doesn't address, like, why do I feel entitled to somebody else's time? <laughs> and yeah. that's really where the problem is, yeah. you know, or why do I feel like I can't say no in this moment? Mm. Like, mm. I, I'm sick. I don't want to go into work. Mm. Why do I feel like I can't say no? That's a much bigger issue yeah. than consent is sexy it's not always yeah and that's why it's consent culture <laughs> yeah exactly and I mean I think that um yeah people people want consent to be easy and simple and black and white and the further I get into it the less I believe that that's true which for me is extremely exciting. I find that much more interesting than just here's a formula, do it correctly, and everything you do will be consensual. That would be very dull. Um, I think thinking about what is the nature of humanity 
And how does that relate to consent, free will, autonomy? That's so interesting. And, you know, it's been considered for thousands of years. You know? So I think that um, I will be surprised if I am an expert by the end of my life um, because it's such a deep topic that's like what makes us fundamentally human. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's exciting and interesting and it isn't always fun. Um, kind of like a mushroom trip <laughs> where sometimes you do a mushroom trip and, um, it's not great, <laughs> but you always learn something about yourself, whether it's good or whether it's bad or whether it's complicated, you always, always learn something. And I feel like that's what draws me back to mm. consent culture work. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm I'm very happy to have gone on uh, this trip with you, Kitty. I'm, I'm going to wrap things up because I'm conscious of keeping these podcasts um, kind of fairly short for people. But I think um, hopefully I can get you back and have another conversation with you on another podcast really soon. Absolutely. I would love that. Great. Um, so before we go, um, in the run up to um, the Day of Consent 2021, I'm asking all the guests if you had one message for the International Day of Consent as succinct as possible. What's your message? Um, I would say. Every day, try saying no to something that you genuinely don't want to do. Whether that's saying no to yourself, whether that's saying no to your boss, whether that's saying no to your partner, practice saying no and being firm in that and comfortable with that. Mm. Um, I think that it's important for us to say no, and it's really important for us to learn how to hear no. Mm. Um, and uh, the holidays are coming up, so this is a good thing to have uh, practice for. You will probably want to say no more than once during the holiday season. And uh, get started now. Great. That's a, that's a wonderful message to leave us with. So, practice saying <laughs> no, people. <laughs> It's an uncomfortable as it is. It's a great skill to learn for sure. You know, it becomes less and less uncomfortable the more you do it. I love saying no now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Kitty. It's a pleasure as always to talk to you. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. Okay. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the I Do Consent podcast. Please like, share and bring your comments or questions about anything that you've heard on the podcast to me, Jen Wilson, on social media as Irregular Jen or find me on the web at irregular.org.uk forward slash I do consent. You can sign up for the mailing list and find out more about the frameworks, training, support and other things available for practicing consent and to support the International Day of Consent please also visit idoconsent.org. And remember, keep it curious, kind and consensual.